weighing your oatmeal Fair in the morning. Fairbanks is a tough guy. Weighing your oatmeal, weighing your oatmeal in the Shovel morning. Shovel Lake is a tough guy. Tofty is a tough guy. I know you're stoked. I know you want to go out there and smash. This year's your big year. Chicago is a tough guy town. Baby, mom was never forget that it's the fall that things really matter. Yeah, go like this. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. It's a grip wax nation sensation. Tofty is a tough guy town. My baby is drama, mama. Don't like me. Doing things like having so a insane and OCD about every workout being like perfect and weighing your oatmeal in the morning. Like, it's Shovel Lake Public Radio. It's a baby and not a paycheck. Private school, daycare, medical bills. I pay that. I love you, mom. These are grease under the fingernail parents that are working in garages and. They want their kids to ski race because they ski race and they they look at the character these kids are getting, the grit they get from sports. Callaway is a tough guy town. Bemidji is a tough guy town. Tough guy town. Mora. Mora is a tough guy town. <laughs> I like trip on my words. <laughs> I, did, I did like 17 takes of the Grip Wax Nation. No, I'm not all oh. I'm not even done with all of them. Did you Oh, go. I'm keep still going. working on them cuz I've been letting Novi okay. say things. It's a Dalmatian Grip Wax Nation sensation. <laughs> I hate you right now. I think it has to be why? Why? Why am I doing this? It sounds a, stupid. I sound like I'm supposed to be five years old. Oh, yeah, you gotta sound more like it's a Dalmatian <coughs> wax nation sensation. That's how it's supposed to. Okay, sound. hold the baby so she doesn't make a noise in there. <laughs> it's a Dalmatian grip wax nation sensation. Hi, Ajay. That's a great point, Ralph. Joe Maurer is a natural athlete. Kick like Clabo. Kick, kick like Clabo. Dig like Jesse. Yeah. See, you liked it. No, I didn't. You were getting into it. All right, everyone. She was getting into it. Welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast here, Shovel Lake Public Radio, Leadville, 10,000 feet. You know, here we are. We're so glad that you're here with us. And yeah, it was a World Cup last weekend, but who cares about that? It was the Equinox 24-hour ultra ski last weekend as well. We were there. We were on site. We got some interviews. We've got the sights and sounds. What is going on back there, Ajay? Hi, Ajay. Hi, Ajay. Hi, Ajay. My wife is going to be so mad at me for playing that. Um, okay, you figure it out. Okay. Uh, anyway, at the Ultra Ski, at pretty much every single person there was going to the well, fighting hard. Dig like Jesse. That's exactly right. That's Wow, you were ready with the soundboard there, Ajay. I'm impressed. Um, this is an event that is special. Fourth annual. Um, and I have I participated? Yes, I have. I was in the first ultra ski, and actually, uh, I competed against a podcast guest. How about that? We had Jace Peters on the show 
back after his freshman year of high school. Jace, senior now, has uh, he's Colorado State champion, went to junior nationals. Um, one of the coolest kids I know. I We should probably have him back on the show, actually, now. He's a great young man. Um, but he and I, I didn't even know he was going to be there, and I drove down to the... Uh, to the Mount Massive Golf Course here in Leadville, which is probably the highest elevation. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's North America's highest elevation for a golf course, so it, it must be for cross-country ski, uh, ski resort too, if it's right around 10,000 feet. But I drove down there thinking I'm going to have this nice relaxing day of skiing, and here Jace Peters has shown up with a crew, his entire family. He's got like 17 siblings. That's an over-exaggeration, but... Uh, he's there. They've got like peanut butter sandwiches, goo bars, drinks, like a whole table set up. And I'm like, they're like, what? I, you know, I talked to Dan Betwinis and I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll show up and ski for a while. I'm thinking in my head, like really no strategy. Like I, I, I think I thought if I ski, you know, 30 K and then leave and go home, I got things to do. It'll be fine. Well, Jay's is there and there's a hundred dollar prize for the hundred K first person there. I'm like, before, again, going in, I was like, there's no way I can ski 100 kilometers. That's impossible. I will die. I was kind of like the um, um, anti-feminist we were talking about on the last show, you know, who thought, like, you just keel over. It's not possible. That's how blue or how much of a noob I was. Well, we had great conditions, the freeze-thaw groom, you know, situation. So ripped off 55K, I think, in two hours and, like, 35 minutes. And I'm like, well... We ought to be able to get this now. Then it heats up, slush fest. I just fight my way to 100K. I got it in under six hours. I was pretty happy. Then I went home and took like a, I don't know, 55-minute Epsom salt bath and fell asleep after having like 17 bowls of oatmeal. The number 17 is going to come up today, I guess. And uh, woke up the next morning and suffered out a few more Ks. I can't even remember, honestly, if I got my goal, which was at that point then kind of shifted to like, maybe I should try and get a hundred miles. I thought for some reason, I thought I got very close to the 160 kilometer uh, mark. If I didn't, uh, I was right there. Um, and so I was a pretty successful first year. I lost to Dan. Dan was, he skied more consistently throughout the night and all that, which again, I thought was impossible. Well, the next year Tate Pullman comes and we had pretty much the exact same conditions. I think worse grooming, um, a situation just because we had like kind of more fresh snow. It, it wasn't quite as smooth. It was warmer. It wasn't as fast for sure. Um, and the amazing thing was, is a couple of high school kids came and went 238 kilometers, skied through the entire night, slept for maybe an hour or two. But Tate Pullman. It's a grip wax nation sensation. Yes. Are you all listening? Grip wax nation, nation sensation. Um, those guys definitely earned their keep into the Grip Wax Nation. Uh, they are Grip Wax Nation sensations now, legends. Uh, but Tate Pullman, 272K that that time last year, which I think he, he almost had to sacrifice his right big toe on the altar of Nordic skiing to do so because even though it was super hot during the day, it got super cold at night. Um in case you're wondering, I had a terrible Equinox Ultra experience that year. Got dehydrated, not enough pickles. Made it through 70K and then had to bow out. Came back. Kick like Clabo. I, I couldn't click like, I couldn't kick like Clabo, honestly. Um, and now you're just clicking buttons back there, Ajay. You, you need to try and listen to what I'm saying 
and then pick the appropriate soundbite. Kick like Clabo. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't have Clister, so I double pulled 61K in about three hours in the middle of the night. And then I was happy, satisfied. I had redeemed myself. I went over 100K, uh, but just got destroyed by Tate and the high school kids. So that was last year. Now this year, it's setting up perfectly. Mount Massive. Dan's got a new groomer. He had cemented this thing down. I mean, it was immaculate conditions, immaculate grooming. Uh, started out cold. want to say just below zero degrees. I wasn't there. I actually had to work, so I couldn't start the race with him. Um, I did a, I did do a celebratory 30, 30 or 40K at Vail Nordic Center. Uh, and actually started at 10 a.m., which is a lot later than I usually like to start skiing, but had a lot of stuff going on, so I actually just got there at that time. And I know that this show, I like to talk about myself here, so you just have to hold on here for a moment. So I, I, I ski for an hour and 20 minutes. We took the Sprinter van down, which is a risk, just me actually, and I park it over at the Nordic Center. I ski for 80 minutes and watching this uh, snowshoe race going on, thinking I might cover a little bit of that for the paper since I'm over there, and get back to the van. I have 10 minutes to spare to get back to Battle Mountain to start watching a lacrosse game, and I reach for my bell pocket, and my keys are not there. So now I realize maybe I'm maybe I was dumb, you know, maybe maybe my keys are hidden in the car, maybe they're hidden somewhere where I uh, had waxed my skis, you know, something like that, and I'm digging around frantically, can't find anything put my skis back on, retrace my general steps <laughs> or strides. Where's the kick like Clabo one? And start Oslo Green was working. Don't know how. It was freezing. There's the freeze thaw. I guess that stuff's magical. It was actually working for a while. Um, and I didn't find anything. I, t- I told a couple people like, hey, I lost a fob out here on this 30-kilometer course. <laughs> so um, if you see it, let me know. Finally... Long story short, at about 12.25 after me skiing around, I went into the in, into the lodge, happened to run into the, the people running the race. They had my fob. I get out. I get to Battle Mountain. I interview the coach at the end of the game that I didn't see. They won 21 nothing. It worked out. And um, and then I, I had to cover another game. I went for a run in between, and I get back to Mount Massive Golf Course at about 6.30, um, and... Dan is, he had sent me an email while I was on in route. He's like, you got to get over here, man. We got people on pace for 350K. And I, in my head, I'm like, this is actually possible, baby, this year. Because usually in this March, you know, the March weather, if you don't have one of those crazy slush skis that can really dominate when it's 40 degrees and, and slushy, good luck trying to suffer through the noon to about five o'clock hour because it really, no matter what you do, it's just going to be slushy. Well, it never really got above, I think, 27, 28 degrees. So when I got there, it just looked, you know, the snow looked like any perfect, um, you know, VR 40 type day. It was just hadn't been changed. It was sunny out and everyone's having a good time. And and I ran into, so I, I slap on my skate skis. I get out there. I happen to catch up to Tate and um, John Henry Pelusic. I got I to gotta practice his last name. We'll have to play his sound clip. Pelusic. Pelusic. And John is a former UW skier. He also actually competed at the University of Maine Presque Isle. And in fact, was on that team before I got there for my one-year stint. 
so we sort of knew who each other were. We've run into each other um, on the mineral belt uh, once or twice uh, training because UW gets over to Leadville a couple times a year. So I ran into Tate first, and uh, they are 127 kilometers into their day. And I'm like, Tate, how's it going? You know, and I'm all fresh. You know, they've been grinding. And he's like 10 yards behind John. And like, this is just the race right here. Here it is, which is kind of kind of crazy in one of these events that especially, you know, one of the smaller varieties of it, I think typically you might be on the same lap as the leader through like 50 or 60 K. But even in my experiences, all the times, like the person in front has been skiing alone for the better part of 20 hours or the better part of, you know, 80% of their Ks that they do. So this is like, you know, crazy tight race right here. And I happen to just, I don't know if this, I think this was actually a good thing intended because they, from what I heard after they've been skiing together for most of it on purpose, but I kind of skied them back together and then hopped in the classic track and just kind of chatted for a while. Hey, how are things going? How are the conditions? Um, They were in pretty good spirits. The 350K on pace, technically they were, they were working around that um, tempo, but things did not continue as it, the temperatures dropped I think below negative 10 somehow. Now on like the internet, if you would have probably Googled Leadville, it might say only zero, but Mount Massive, the golf course itself sits down in the valley a little bit. So it definitely gets colder down there. So the snow eventually did slow up. Dan Betwinis was working the groomer at just the right times though. He went over the skate deck on my second lap that I did. Man, it was just, it was amazing. It was, I, I, it was the best, the best fastest skate skiing I've had all year. Uh, which is saying something, I think, for sure. But, I mean, it was just a great event. And enough of me talking. Let's hear some of the um, sights and sounds from the 2023 uh, Equinox Ultra Ski Challenge. <laughs> no, challenge is not in the name. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I'm screwing it up. Let's hop down to the sidelines. Here's the race director, organizer, CEO, SAR himself, Dan Betwinas. All right. We're here with Dan Betwinas, Leadville Cross Country fame, and it's the Equinox Challenge. Is this the fourth annual Equinox Challenge? It's the uh, fourth annual Equinox 24-hour ultra ski. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah. I get, I get ribbed because I, I brand it incorrectly a few times. No! <laughs> so, but we're going to fix you. Now, can you tell me the inspiration a little bit behind you launching this up here at 10,000 feet? I stumbled across this race in West Yellowstone 10 years ago, the original Equinox, Chal- ski- Equinox Ski Challenge. And I went and attended that race three times and just had a wonderful time there every time. And that race got discontinued. It seemed natural to start our very own here in Leadville. We- what year did they did they stop doing that there? Do you know? Least, were you at the last one? At least five years ago. Okay. Sam, the race director, got offered a dream job, uh, guiding in Patagonia, and he said, "I can't do the race anymore," and nobody wanted to take it over. Am I stupid? What's the equinox for? Is that like because of the calendar? Is equinox have to do with oh, through the night? No, it's uh, the calendar. The calendar. Okay. And all. Every one of these events that has ever existed it's in the United March. States that I know about is uh, 
traditionally late March. Right. Right at the equinox because it greatly increases your chance of not having a 10 degree below zero night. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's talk about how today's event went, or this 24-hour event went. I mean, you start out with cold conditions, but it was really perfect yesterday. I mean, I'll let you kind of give us the play-by-play -play of the weather and what we're seeing today. Well, we just lucked out and got a, 10 inches of fresh snow like 10 days ago, followed by a fizzle storm. Mm -hmm. And so we at least had pretty good snow. Um, yesterday's weather was perfect. It was about as little a wind as you could hope for here. Um, 30 degrees. The snow never went to mush. Right. Um, the skiers loved it. And then uh, the sun went down and the temperature started dropping. Forecast for it to be 3 degrees above zero. And the ultimate temperature was a very solid, well-documented 10 below zero. <laughs> But how many people stayed out through the night? I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing. I think the first the first year I, I was here and we did it, I think you had the most Ks and you still got some, well, didn't get sleep because you were grooming. But I remember like no one really pulled the whole 22, 23 hours of skiing. But did that happen here? How many people did you have kind of pull the all-nighter? Oh, at least a couple. Tate. Yeah. Tate Pullman for sure, who's currently in the lead. He... Uh, he certainly didn't sleep. Yeah. And uh, our other guy, John. John, John Henry Paluzic, I think. Yep. Yes. Um, I think he kept going all night, but he's currently not skiing. Okay. And uh, so. Is he about a lap behind then at this point? At least, Maybe. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this event's kind of grown. What, do you, what can you say about numbers, I guess, from that first year? Do you, do, do you know how many people... Are doing it this year something like 10 20 30 40 are the numbers over four years okay <laughs> that it's grown 10 it's grown okay yeah um we may have pretty close to 40 this time um now i could be overstating that a little okay i don't know there's there, we had quite a few people show up an hour or two late and happily sign up and are out there still and uh um, what's your favorite part of an event like this? Cause I know it's kind of, you've been offering more prizes here. There's some people who come and they're really gung ho about, we're going to ski the whole way, go for distance. But some people comments like, I want to try and break my record. Some like myself, you know, I just want to be a part of it this year, get, get a lap in and see what's going on. There's food, there's fun. What kind of like revs your engine when it comes to something like that? Is it all that or? One of our best stories, well, all the best stories are the people. Yeah. And one of our best stories is a, a gentleman who's not here today, except um, by way of his beautiful brass navy bell over there. This guy's name is David Harwood. I met him here hacking away skate skiing on some miserable bad classic skis three, four years ago. Okay. I took him aside and said, that's never going to work for you, David. David was 280 pounds. Um, I gave him a pair of slightly broken, fancy racing skate skis. He went home and fixed them, and he used those things really well. He took one ski lesson from me. And the next year, I found him out on a mineral belt trail 
doing uh, 30K out and back. Jeez. <laughs> and he's pulled it off. Yeah. And he was some 40, 60 pounds lighter. Yeah, yeah. And then he shows up here saying, my goal is 60K. And he, he skied 50K, went home, slept in his own bed, came back Sunday morning and finished at 80K. And that was last year? Or two years ago. Two years ago, okay. And he's been get, do, donating this bell to us. He brings it, drives it all the way up here from Salida. That is the bell that we go ding, 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 ding right. to wake up the scorekeeper. Yeah, yeah. When necessary. Now, um, <laughs> that's awesome. I, did, I didn't know that was the thing. I thought maybe that was a West Yellowstone thing too. Did they have a bell as well? Or is that, that's, that's, your, that's your signature? That's our signature. Uh, uh, and speaking of the scorekeeper, he, does he have the hardest job in there? Talk a little bit about what he's been up to. <laughs> up all night, tracking everyone's laps. It's his birthday. Yes, yesterday was his birthday. I took the liberty of publishing that in a little mini newsletter to the club. And boy, we have 1,763,475 cookies in yeah. there, home-baked cookies, due to that email. Annie Dinowitz showed up with yeah. the most amazing chocolate birthday cake. It's melting your mouth delicious wonder i know she's a good she's a good cook she, she Dan, david's like oh she didn't make the cheesecake but he was he was texting me updates as he was coming over here uh so did you ski at all you got out there for a couple hours right i skied three laps three laps okay i charged off in the lead on the first lap and tate and john were gracious enough to allow me to lead about half of it before they got fed up and passed me yeah who won the preem there for the first the first lap was that John or Tate? I would imagine John would have. I know he's he's a former NCA skier. Did he? Are you not sure? I guess you were in it, so. I am not entirely sure. John did win the hundred K cream. Okay. Yep. Cool, cool. Um. Well, hey, any other thoughts? What's the What does this look like uh, for next year? Do you have any big plans? Uh, more national advertising. You guys got in Boulder Nordic. Boulder Nordic right? Sport that okay. magazine is our only national ad. We'd like to do that again. You know, we want to do a little faster skier program. Yeah. And uh, everything about our advertising could be just a little better. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And uh, and yeah, the more publicity, and it'll very naturally grow again. I was going to ask you, I forgot the the uh, course today, or 24 hours. I said today, but it's really yesterday. You added the Links to Lakes loop. Have you gotten your feedback on that? When I was skiing in there, you know, Tate was like, it's a better course this year. But did other people mention that at all? I thought that was kind of nice to have. I bit. sure liked it. I did. You get a little recovery, right? That's the one thing I hear is you got to work the whole way, which... You know, when I read some of those Scandinavian stories, you know, where they'll try and do the 24-hour record stuff, they were saying that, yeah, you got to pick a loop that has some climb because you, you really need the recovery. Um, and that's actually, I think that makes ours here not just being on 10,000 feet, but the fact that it's working the whole way, right? You know, like it, it, it does, make, you're, you're never really able to vary it up unless you just decide, okay, I'm going to alternate or, you know, you know, the downhills. But yeah, I mean... Uh, Thoughts on why you changed it or kind of what, what sort of feedback you've heard from others? 
I think everybody, it's very positive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The grooming's been great. It was firm all the way through. How, many t how much did you have to do to prep this with that new snowfall? Were you grooming like a couple times a day or just normal? Normal. normal. Okay. okay. Normal. Mid we did quite a bit of mid-race grooming. Yeah. We went out on Links to Lake yesterday at 4.35 o'clock. That may have been an hour or two premature. Um, it was all right. The grooming that we did at 8, between 8 and 10, it held up better. Mm -hmm. And... And then we went out at uh, daybreak and re-groomed all the skate lanes, tidied up some of the classic track. And uh, it's the last couple hours has been brand new, fresh corduroy. I better get out there and do it. Well, I'm going to go talk to a few other people, but appreciate it. Okay. Put this on the podcast. We'll get you some advertising. Okay. <laughs> I can't say national. Thousands. <laughs>well um yeah can't say thousands Thou thousands maybe hundreds maybe um so happy to happy to chat with dan there get a little bit of the backstory on the equinox challenge now i will say if you're listening to this podcast right now you're in a select view this this is by far the most hipster thing you could be doing listening to this podcast okay if you are a nordic ski like a hardcore, you went to Dartmouth in the 70s, you were an All-American, you skied for the U.S. ski team, and then you coached for decades, you know, like, you've owned, you've owned, you have many leather-bound books in your office, okay, this podcast, we can't, we can't necessarily say that you will become more informed about the sport in the way that you expect, but I think there is an illuminating um, you know, quality to our podcast, even for you. So you're finding a hipster element by tuning in. But more than that, where are you going to hear takes like, like this? This was from a show that we didn't release. Uh, so, so some people are trying to make this change from World Cup skiing to biathlon. Uh, here's the thing in biathlon, you have to be able to shoot a gun. So which, which end ski. So that's a little bit like asking someone, you know, Hey, are you good at the 400 meter hurdles and also chess? Why, why did we take that one out? I think we should have published that show we've got hours of shows that haven't been published uh but we'd probably be in trouble if we did hey anyway what let's get back to the ultra ski we've got a lot of great storylines here every year i would um mess up the names and mess up the facts if i tried to just sort of you know shoot from the hip the hip here um and tell you about all the people who have destroyed me and gone over 200k which was a lot of people um but one of the cool stories this year was uh, had to do with a special birthday boy who was celebrating his 34th um, revolution around the earth. I'm getting I'm trying to get too esoteric here. Let's hop into the guy keeping track of the laps and has to stay up all night during the 24 hour ultra ski. Sleepless stupor. Yeah, I know, right? I'm going to get very eloquent. <laughs> We're going, we, we coming here. So... First of all, introduce yourself. Okay, uh, my name is Jacob Betwinis. And today is what birthday for you? How old are you? 
Uh, I am uh, 34 as of yesterday, March 18th. Okay. Uh, birthday's officially over now. Is this your first birthday that you've uh, stayed awake for the entire 24 hours? <laughs> I can honestly say it probably is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the What's the day been like? What's the you know, your job, but watching these skiers, what are your thoughts on the whole Equinox? Um, well, it, it's, it, I, I can honestly say I wouldn't want to spend my birthday any other way. Yeah. Um, it's such a fun event that I feel passionate about, and um, we had a terrific turnout this year. It's been really fun to watch Tate defend his title yeah. again, and, um, and all of the newcomers that came out um, this season as well, too. It's been really exciting. Um, to watch people put up huge numbers. Again, we've had people um, go well over 200 kilometers this year, so it's been fun. Yeah, how many How many have gone over 100? Do you know right now? Uh, yeah, we can take a look at that. So we have Tate is, um, Tate is coming up on 260 kilometers okay. at 9.15, so the race is closing soon. John Polasek. John Polasek is finished at 17 laps, so that's 221 kilometers. Did he win the, the uh, first lap? He won the first lap, and he okay. won the 100K as well. Too. Okay. Ooh, did, who won the 200? Did Tate get the 200 then? Tate got the 200K. Okay. Yeah, and then Zachary is projected to be in third place oh, with 14 laps, 182 kilometers. Yep. So, and then um, plenty of people are above 100 kilometers. We have David Hasselman, Hafelman, at uh, looks like 130 kilometers. Uh, Eric Anderson at 143 kilometers. Um, that's projected to be Those are first, second, running. third, fourth, and fifth place. Well, and then Ava got over 100 kilometers. That's right, Ava, yeah. Yep. yeah is she the youngest around. one out here? She is 16 <clears throat> years old. Yeah. yeah. That's right. She is the youngest one here. Oh, a question, Eric, I'd like to come back and sit over sure. here. Um, what, how, do you know of anyone who's come from, like, far distances? I know the, you know, John John came from Wyoming here, but, yeah. like, what, what sort of stories do you have from some of these individuals of something unique as far as where they came from? Um, not only... Our oldest competitor this year, at the ripe old age of 82, Igor, what's his last name? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Igor Gessi or Gessi? Okay. Something. He's from Poland. Um, Whoa. Yeah, he came from Poland at the ripe old age of 84. He did just one lap, and he did one lap at one hour and 14 minutes. and It's an incredible time for him. And when I saw him skiing, I could you could tell he had been doing it for eighty four years probably. So. so what was his? Why was he? Or how did he hear about Equinox? Equinox. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not yeah, sure how he heard about it. But he, I, like, is he here on vacation, kind of too, or or just like, oh man, I gotta go check uh, this out. I, I didn't not get sure. a chance to talk to him. That that's much, wild. Unfortunately. That is crazy. How old did you say it was? 80? 84. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, yeah, one of the cool things is you're here watching everyone come in twice per lap, right. really. So um, how, do, how do you kind of feel like you get to know people, I guess? You know, like, because you, you, you say stuff, like, is that part of the fun part that gets you kind of revved up that you get to sort of, I don't know, share in what they're doing to some degree? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it is fun to watch them hurt themselves. <laughs> it's 
see. It looks like uh, Eric Anderson is coming through now. I think that's Eric. It's either Eric or David. Um, yeah, definitely. It's fun. You can see, you, you can tell how the lap is going because yeah. of the nature of um, the, the way that the course is set up. Um, you get to see halfway through, basically, how they're doing. Um, and during the cold part of the night, it got down to minus 10 last night. Oh, yeah, here he comes. Here he comes. Oh, right on. So uh, watching them do this, does this inspire you at some point? Do you want to do this, or would you rather sit in, in the warm hut? <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to do this at some point. We'll okay. see how that goes. Um, I have some healing to do on my knee before I can consider doing a long event like this. Yeah, you've gotten better at skiing. When did you start skiing? Is this someone else, too? Oh. Yep. Ray J. Maservi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jay. One fifteen coming in. Definitely the start. The start's probably my favorite part when we have everybody here, um, and it's like it's just a fun party atmosphere, especially this season because uh, it happened to fall on my birthday, and um, yeah, and a sunrise. I I love the sunrises too. Yeah. Um, that's always a fun thing because uh, you think it's never gonna end. Awesome, Cliff. We were fortunate to be able to chat with Jay for just a couple of minutes. So let's take a look at that interview. And you're here with your dad and mom. Hi, they came from Tennessee. So can you tell me a little bit about, like, how they found out or why they came up? I'm Ryan Cedarquist with the Vale Daily. By the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I live in Leadville. I'm like, I'll cover this. You might, you might end up... Uh, getting on uh, the Cedar Skier podcast. Oh, too, but. Man. <laughs> yeah, but t yeah, tell me the story. Uh, well, my parents are the big cross-country skiers, and they, they retire, so they travel around. Uh, they cross-country ski in Montana um, for you know, two months of the year or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they are heading back east and uh, stop by, or, yeah, stop by to do the race, and Asked me if I wanted to do it, so here so we are. they knew about it and they pulled you in. But well, you're you're kind of the local. Uh, yeah, I live in Dillon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, how long have you been skiing? Uh, cross country skiing? Yeah. Oh gosh, I, I don't know, maybe four years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just kind of you know get the dogs out. And sure. That sort of stuff. So. How many laps did you do today? Um, so far I've done uh, eight. So wow, I just did a hundred k. Nice. Hey, yeah, yeah. congrats. How did it feel? Uh, oh, that's fine. Uh, you know, classics. Classic slow. You did all classic today? Uh, yeah, don't come classic. Um, did you go at all in the night, like as it was freezing, or did you just kind of, did you sleep and go when it was light up? Yeah, I stopped last night around 10, 10-ish, um, and then slept for like six hours, and then back here. So you, did, you, caught, you caught some of the Sub-Zero attempts. How did it feel? Oh, you know, uh, you got to breathe through your nose so your lungs don't, uh, you know, get mad at you. So... It's fine, you know, you just got to wear a lot of layers. And, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's more of a mental thing, I think. And this is your first Equinox? First Equinox, yeah. Well, what do you think about it, and are you coming back with it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool, and I'm, I'm more of a, like, a distance runner, so it's good, like, uh, Very cool. 
way to get out and do something long uh, in the winter. So, yeah, it's a cool event. What are you training for for running? Uh, like distance, like ultras or like marathon road? Yeah, just kind of, I like, yeah, I kind of like the trail okay. trail scene. I, I signed up for Run Rabbit Run okay. 100 and uh, September, but. Uh, Have you done a 100 mile run before? Uh, yeah, just one. So. What's harder, something like this or that? Well, because I mean, both of them you could be going all day. Obviously, you didn't, you didn't yeah, totally right. hear, but yeah. What do you, what do you, what's kind of the? Um, I think the, I think like the gear, like it's a lot more, it's a lot more gear intensive. Uh, so you know, and temperature wise, you gotta make sure you're dressed right and stuff. So I think that's a different aspect than like running. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, thanks for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Glad well, you I guess it. I should say though that my. Uh, my next, my next race is I'm, I'm, I have a burrow, so we're training for burrow season. Okay. Yeah. Will you do the ones that are here then too? Uh, well, I'm the doing. We're, we're doing the uh, the Cripple Creek, or not the Cripple Creek, the uh, Clear Creek. Okay. Um, series Memorial Day weekend, so. Okay. Georgetown, Idaho Springs, Saturday, Sunday. So get get get, get the burrow ready. Get get, get it going. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Ajay is upset right now that I have identified myself first as Ryan Searquist of the Veil Daily and then later mocked the fact that this also might appear on the Cedar Skier podcast. Where are my loyalties at? Who gave me my first break? Well, I'd have to say Shovel Lake Public Radio was responsible for giving me my first foray into this medium of media and sports media and talking about skiing. So I apologize, Ajay, for throwing all the hard work you have done under the bus. Um, by the way, your kibbles are ready downstairs. Okay, we continue. We move on. Here's another great story that we had from this event. So I mentioned earlier a couple of high school kids from Eagle Valley High School who went over 200K, well over 200K. I want to say Lucas Bergston did 230, 38, maybe. It was it was two, or maybe it was 230. 230, his uh, friend Ferguson St. John did 224. It was something in that. I don't know. We, we could get some fact checkers to come, but it was a lot. And anyway, Lucas's younger sister uh, did a couple laps, I think, with them last year, but decided she was going to come out and try it out for herself. We caught up with the 16-year-old, and let's take a listen to that interview right now. Okay, well, I got to ask you, Ava, this is pretty impressive. So first of all, introduce yourself. I'm Ava Bergston. And you are 16? Yes. A soft, wait, junior. Junior at Eagle Valley. This is impressive. How many Ks did you get today? Uh, 125, 130, something like that. What was the goal coming in? Um, I don't know. I didn't really have one. I was just going to ski until I didn't want to anymore. Yep. And I thought I was going to get 150, but then I wanted to go to bed, and then I didn't want to get up this morning, so that didn't quite happen, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, so you you had the camper, the truck camper. Yes. What time did you end up going to bed and waking up? Um, I went to bed at, like, 11.30, and then I slept until, like, 5-ish. Mm, man, so you skied when it was cold out there. I, I yeah, mean, how it was did, freezing. How did it feel? It was not that fun. It was so hard to breathe. It was like super painful in the lungs to like t- suck in air. And I was not moving very fast. So. When did you decide to do this? You know, I know Lucas had the big day, 238K yeah. last year. Was that kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this um, next year? Well, I've been thinking about it since last year. But I didn't actually decide I was going to do it until like Tuesday. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Have you been skiing since then? Or did you take like a month off after nope. state? Yeah, I haven't skied in like a month. So, that was yeah. just a taper, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do any spring sports uh, too? 
No. No. Oh, really? You don't run track or something? No, do you do cross country in the fall? I do cross country in the fall. Why no track? Um, it's just boring. I don't mm. know. I, don't, I also don't like running that much, so. Okay. Um, hardest part of today? Um, I don't even know. I think it's that, like, the laps were so long. So, like, when you went out to do it, you had to, like, commit to skiing for so long. Right. And, like, not coming in here at the halfway and sitting in here for 30 minutes was really hard. Wow. Did you like the course this year, though, compared to last year, getting to do Links to Lake? Um, it was kind of nice. It was, like, a nice little switch up. Yeah. But in the dark, it felt like the hill was, like, never ending. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Um, do you have anything interesting? Oh, how about this? I, I should have asked. What did you consume for food, beverages? Um, did, did someone take a, take a tally? Not a lot. I had a lot of, like, juice boxes. Okay. Those were pretty good. A few Red Bulls. I had oatmeal was really good, actually. Ooh, and yeah. then, like, some ramen and some bars. And that was kind of it. Um, are how are you gonna treat yourself after this? Is there is there a special like know. was there a dad if you uh, if you get to a certain thing he was gonna give you a cash prize Dairy Queen? Hey. <laughs> Did she get anything for doing this? I just got some French toast. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna go get in my bed, and not get up. <laughs> um, what, what do you think you'll do something like this? Again, like, is this uh, kind of, are you wired for this? I, I was, you know, I know you're a twin, so it's like yeah. your other twin's not here, so is this kind of you? You're the endurance endurance one? Yeah, I don't think she's really into this. I don't know, I need to, like, forget how not fun it was before I, like, decide to do it again. Yeah. Because, like, it was fun in the beginning, and then it was, like, not fun But once I forget, I'll probably end up doing it again. I passed you uh, last night, and you were listening to some tunes, or what, podcast? I had, I had a podcast going. What were you listening to, the Cedar Skier podcast? No, it was a, no! It was a gossip podcast actually so people like send in their gossip and this girl just goes through it and that was it <laughs> wow fascinating how many of those did you listen to i only listened to two okay and i listened to some music for a while is there a song stuck in your head now at this point oh really i was kind of just like the music was there to like block out the thoughts okay. and then i was just skiing um i guess i kind of asked you if your brother had inspired you a little bit to do this um but i should ask him thoughts on your sister's performance today. I think she did pretty good. I think yesterday I was like, I don't think you quite understand how long standing for 24 hours is on your feet. Yeah, yeah. And when she made it to like one in the morning, I was like, you gotta keep going now because it's gonna be rough in the morning. And she did, skied in the morning. So, I mean, she skied what? What do you do, 130K? Well done. Um, but you didn't do any, and you know you're the defending high school champ here. Are you are you getting hungry? Is it festering now inside? Or? Uh, <laughs> a little. I mean, it was fun to get out there and ski a little bit. I didn't ski as much this year as I should have. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I skied. What did we ski? Ava, we skied twenty-ish together. Yeah, maybe did ski twenty k. Did you go any wax uh, wax stuff for her? Yeah, here. I did some some HF five at three in the morning or so. Okay. Let that stuff get nice and cold. Scraped it off. It was faster this morning than. And whatever it was, I had six on okay. my skis. So. Okay. Or oh, cold man. wax for the Leadville Arctic out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Uh, my eyelashes were freezing together this morning. Uh, thoughts, Dad, on this performance? What did you think when she was like, hey, I want to do that too? Oh, I think it's awesome. I mean, I didn't know how well she would do, you know? She was yeah. never, I think, the longest ski before is 14 miles. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Five I miles. liked it. And, 
I skied a couple of laps and I was like, hey, the Nordic is kind of fun. I got to check myself. Good thing it's the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Any other thoughts, Ava? Really good job. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, I don't like the wind at all. The wind was so bad. It's the worst part, I think. Did the wind pick up a little bit? I felt like it was pretty like, cold. It was just when you were coming back this way. Oh, yeah. It was always was. windy. Just yeah. no matter what. And that made it really awful. And the cabin, like, never seemed to get closer. Yeah. No, that straightaway is kind of a... Uh... Just so depressing. Yeah. I, I think I only did two laps, and I remember thinking, even just the second one, I was like, yeah. ah, when you come down that hill way over there, you're yeah. like, oh gosh. Was... <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, now, as I mentioned before, the battle up front was between John Henry Paluszek and Tate Pullman, and it was an interesting battle. We caught up with both of them. First, let's hear from John and also his wingman, Kai Taylor, a teammate at the University of Wyoming. Yeah, you came here to help out. Yeah, I'm support crew. So, uh, first of all, actually, can you both introduce yourselves? So, I'm Kai Taylor. I'm a junior up at the University of Wyoming. Okay, and? John Paluszek, P-A-L-U-S-E-B-K. I'm a master's student at the University of Wyoming studying botany. Okay, very cool. And um, how far did you go today? Today I completed 210 kilometers. And was that the... What was the expectation, I guess, coming in? I had no expectations coming in today. Um, training for collegiate Nordic skiing. I've only ever gone up to maybe four hours within a training session because other than past that, it's relatively right. diminishing returns for training. So the farthest I had skied prior going to this was maybe like 65K and like a four-hour roller ski OD. So I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, yeah. if I get to 50K and I'll completely collapse or if I'd be able to keep on chugging. So the initial goal was just 100K, um, get to there, and then we'll see what happens, take it one lap at a time. After we hit the 100K mark, it was, okay, maybe we can get to 150, 160, because that's about yeah, yeah, 100, 100 miles. And then once we got to the 160 mark, I was definitely... It was nighttime already, and I was kind of down in the dumps. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, let's just keep doing one lap until we can't do any more laps. And we finished out that 210 about, at about 5 a.m., in which I then fell asleep on the floor and woke up at then this 7.30. This man fell asleep on a stool. Yeah, I fell asleep. Like, and not the soft ankle part, like the hard foot part. In what car do you got here? Like, you got a Tacoma? Or is that easy? No, your truck I, I, have a, I have a Subaru Crosstrek. And then the okay. plan was to maybe sleep in there for the night, and that's where Kai and my support crew slept. Okay. Took some naps, but I was just so tired that I just chose the rug with no blanket. And just in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right there. I think that's actually maybe a smarter choice, almost. It war the warmth would almost, I would yeah. think, be... What, what was the hardest part um, of this whole experience, would you say? The hardest part was definitely just getting out the door. I was expecting, I was in relatively high spirits the entire time. I was had good energy the entire time. My feet and my legs were not happy with me. They were screaming yeah. at me a little bit. So just getting past that point to get myself back out the door during the night time to start skiing. Because once I started skiing, you didn't really have a choice but to finish the lap. Yeah. You just suffer through it. Right. And I just kept doing that. But definitely just like get, telling my legs to shut up and start 
the next lap was easy. Did you skate the whole time? Yeah, I brought classic skis, but after the course is very flat, and it would have been like 100% double pole, so I ended up skating the entire time because I could double pole on my skate skis. But How many skis did you bring here? Like, did you, did you have kind of a wax plan, the two of you guys too? Like, um, I brought I, I brought a couple pairs of skis, but I ended up only skiing on two. Okay. I waxed with Fast Wax HS20, which is a blue. Um, and then I did four laps on each pair, alternating. So I started off on some Redline 3.0s for okay. four laps, which is about 50K-ish. Yeah. And then I swapped to my uh, Speed Max skates, my Fisher Speed Maxes, did that for another 50K, four laps. And so I ended up skiing like a hundred and hundred and ten K on my red lines and a hundred K on my fishers. Okay. Notice any difference or about the same? When it about three AM the snow got a lot colder so they both slowed down significantly. Yeah. I was surprised with how quick my red lines were running because they're F threes, not necessarily like a cold ski. And yeah. my Speedmax is also just a plus ski. So I was a little, I don't I don't, I don't have any currently have any race cold yeah. cold ski cold skate skis. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with how both of them were running. Now how did you hear about this event? Uh, or, just, and kind of when? Like, when did you... Oh, yeah, let's go do that. I heard of this event vaguely last year. Like, okay. when it happened, I was like, oh, there's a 24-hour ski race in Lego. I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat idea. Yeah. And I'm not... can't remember exactly who I heard it from, but it was, it was word of mouth. Yeah. And then someone talked talked about it, I think, when I was in Leadville for a training camp in the fall. Okay. So again, just word of mouth. Very like, oh, there's this event that does happen. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, I did some Google searches and was able to find the, the flyer online. And I still wasn't very confident that I was going to do it yet because I was wax second for USCSA Nationals, and that was all last week. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was going to have the time or the energy. And then this Wednesday, I was like, you know, why not? It's like kind of a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. But my foot was still feeling kind of funky because I went on a five-mile run earlier in the week and it was kind of tight, and that was my first run some spring session. Yeah. But then yesterday, Friday morning, I called up Kai Taylor and said, you know what, let's go down and do it. So we just packed up the car and down Friday afternoon. So it was definitely a little bit there. Yeah. Waiting for you. What were you thinking this, what were your jobs and what were you thinking as each lap goes by? So initially I was just kind of checking up on John every couple of hours, making sure he was fed and doing all right. You know, looks okay. Um, and then as the day went on, I started checking up a little more and then just like getting stuff warm, putting boots next to the fire, you know, getting food, chocolate milk, stuff like that. Um, and honestly, just making sure he wasn't going to kill himself. Right? And I mean, I get to drive home, but that, that's no big deal. Uh, were you jealous? Did you want to get out there and ski? I mean, it was perfect conditions for you guys. I mean, it's flat and it's at 10,000 feet. I'm not jealous about that part. And this guy just straight up yeah. skied 210K. I'm yeah. super impressed. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have done it today. It's amazing. So uh, the first year they had this, we had kind of your typical spring 
thaw, you know, freeze thaw. So when it started at 10, I was actually kind of ticked. I was like, damn, we should have started at 8 because from 10 to noon, it was insanely fast. And my goal was like yours. You know, it's like, let's get to 100K as fast as possible. And, and I, I did it in like five hours and 50 minutes. And then I switched to double polling for a while. But then it got so slushy. It was like, this is miserable. You know, and even last year, like Tate was dying. And I was kind of all by myself. So I came here and, and saw you guys and heard about how things had gone. And, you know, how you, would, you were right in that six-hour mark, but still chug. And I'm like, okay, dang, this is impressive. But also amazing is the fact that you're like 10 yards apart. You know, like we, we were skiing last night. It's like, these guys, this is the race right here. Was that, was that kind of like starting to go mess with you a little bit too like oh my gosh I could win this and okay a little bit of money or like were you not really even you didn't really care that you know he was Tate was kind of right there too um, I knew that Tate had skied 270k last year yeah and I wasn't necessarily confident myself to make to do that to do 270k as a minimum yeah yeah and he already said he already said like well what we sure shared what our goals were and he said that he was from going the beginning he was going for 300 and I, was, I wasn't confident myself to make it yeah. 300 you know if I could Right. I'd be happy about it, but so I definitely I, I learned that there was a preem for the first lap and the first hundred k. So I was like, that's definitely yeah. yeah. I, can get. Um, I think just skiing together was definitely on purpose. Like yeah, he'd wait for me, or I'd wait for him to start the next lap. Yeah, um, within that first hundred and twenty k ish, because it's just it's a lot easier mentally for me at least yeah. to ski in a pack and ski with someone. Right, it just takes the takes your mind off the pain or if your body's feeling funky. So it was, so it was during that leading, the second to last lap leading up to the 100K mark. So we were at like 80K or so. One of the organizers came up to me and was like, you got to make a move within the next two laps. And that was a little stressful because I hadn't been thinking about racing for the past 50K. And I was like, oh, I do have to make a move. But then within the last, the lap leading up to the 50K, I was able to um, use some of the more technical corners in the uphill yeah. and the downhill. The one uphill and downhill on the course to just create a gap and then just maintain it for the rest. Yeah. And I, did, I was worried that we were going to have to maybe duke it out to the line, which I was also confident in my ability to Yeah, yeah, you, you got a little more skiing ability than um, Tate probably. Yeah, having just, uh, you know, some more fast twitch muscles. Right. But I didn't want it to because I didn't want to go into the red at all or yeah. raise my heart rate anymore so I could continue racing. Is this the hardest thing you've ever done on skis, you think? This is strange because I felt that many other ski races within my college career, 5Ks, 10Ks, 15Ks, 20Ks, were much more painful for than this. I thought that those were much more painful races, more difficult races. This is just... I don't want to say apples to oranges because I don't really like that saying. Yeah. But it was just such a different animal because of my heart rate was at 115, 120 the entire time. Yeah. And it wasn't about digging deep and going hard and suffering and eating the pain. It was just keep going. Yeah. Which which is hard in its own way. Yeah. Kind of. A, and I think you know once it gets dark and cold, that's what's like. I was taking a nice warm shower at night. I'm like, ah, those guys are out there suffering. You know. But I was just like, that is. Like honestly, I mean. I've done some some hard training, you know, over the course of a year. But like, this is the kind of thing I don't think I could do what Tate did. Like, if you you know, I, it, would, it would have to be life depends on it for me to ski 23 hours and like 
You know, it, it is kind of impressive, but do you think you'll try and do something like this again at some point? Or is this like, oh, I'm glad I did it, but not, never again? I think that's what we'll see when we get there. I don't okay. think I'll be in the area for next year for this race, uh, which is unfortunate. But I think I'll keep, this was a great learning experience, so if I do yeah. do any 24-hour races or any ultras, I'll be a lot more prepared and a lot yeah, just ready, ready for that one because of this experience. Do you have another year of skiing? Yes, sir. Oh, you said you're a junior. Yep. Right. Okay, so um, what, what's kind of up next for you? Take a break here? Do you guys take April off? or? Yeah, I think so. Just kind of rest throughout the spring and get back at it for the summer. Where are you from? Alaska. Oh, wow. Okay, very I'm cool. I'm from New Hampshire. I recognize the name and saw you guys up your roller skiing and stuff in Ledlow, which is cool. But so are you going back to Alaska, or do you spend like your summers here now that you're in, you have a job or something? Yeah. So last summer I had a job in Laramie. This summer I'm gonna go work up on the oil rigs on the North Slope. Wow. Okay. Very cool. What's uh, is that like? What you? Do you have a degree that's something that's kind of related to that at all? Or? Yeah, kind of. Okay, interesting. What's Laramie like in the summer? Windy? It's quiet. It's quiet. It's okay. very nice. Um, it's very temperate there, and the mountains are just gorgeous. Yeah. I, your coach, Christy, right? Yep. And Rachel. Okay, they're both the Leadville Connections. Yes, they're both coming and raised. Is that like a... Yes, we get to go back to Leadville, or uh, five hours of the car, we have to go to Leadville. When you guys show up, because I know you come here periodically, you know, Thanksgiving here or there or whatever. Do you like it up here? I like it up here. Yeah. You know, there's just so many trails in, like, the Mineral Belt, too. Yeah. Training on the Mineral Belt and the local mountains and getting altitude training is super great. Um, we stay at Christie's childhood home, which is, like, very, has a lot of character to it. So yeah. It's a little bit of a haul down here, but the roller skiing is way better than Laramie. And it's, it's just such a scenic place. We, we love coming down. This is an awesome summer training because it's, like, 65, you know, it's hot. You know, like, it's, oh, I do love it, but... Cool. Hey, thanks for chatting. Any other thoughts? Uh, Leadville Nordic Center, great place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Are you? Yeah, I'd like to say, you know, hats off to Johnny. He did a really bang up job. And he, yeah, this place is gorgeous. Are you going to do so this? Okay. Well, <laughs> I think the pressure's on, but we'll see when the time comes. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we have, I got an email here on the um, Dottie's Eggs. Bradshaw and Brian Booth email at cedarskier at gmail.com. And it says, Ryan, why didn't you send Ajay down to get these clips live and send them back to you just like you did for World Champs? Um, because Ajay tends to get nervous around humans that are not me. And so she will bark and bite. And it's, it's just a bad situation. I think she's been banned from the Mount Massive Golf Course for life. Um, and if we head down that way to the west side of Leadville, we're probably going to Turquoise Lake or Hagerman Road, where she still owns the property, other than a potential mountain lion that's been lurking in the area. But Ajay don't, Ajay don't care. Ajay doesn't care about the mountain lions. But we care about people. We didn't want anyone to bite, to get bitten. So um, Ajay, she's sitting here on the Ikea couch right now looking outside at something very intently for 7 a.m., You've been up for a couple hours. Yeah, okay, fine, good for you. Yeah, making this the intro, I get it. Um, so that's why we didn't send Ajay. But, hey, we got one more interview we want to get to, and that is from the winner, uh, Tate Pullman. And Tate, he doesn't need an introduction, and I'm going to allow, allow him to kind of talk a bit about 
who he is, so I won't give you too much here. Hope you hope you hope you've enjoyed this show with some of these extended interviews. A little bit different approach, you know. I, I thought it better to let these individuals tell their stories. You don't want to hear my long, monotonous, drawn out dissertations about things all the time, right? Here on the Cedar Skier Podcast. Now I will say we want to get into some World Cup coverage. I know you're curious on our esoteric thoughts on the recent World Cup in Falun. We, we've got a few takes that we got to take. We we like to hear the experts come out with their takes, and then we can kind of come in on the side and, and decide, do we want to steal that take? Do we want to make a nice esoteric take? You know, just joking. I, I don't think people get the bit. Anyway, we'll have that coming to you later this week, and we're finishing up the World Cup season here next weekend, right? Something like that. And then we're thinking about hopping into the Visma Ski Classics uh, discussion as well. We haven't really had time to watch all those races, but I was kind of thinking maybe as World Cup coverage, you know, starts to dwindle, that we could spend a month or so and just kind of go through some of those races and see if we see what we see, you know, see what we see the month of April as hopefully people are still getting out there, logging K's, crusking, all of that. Um, but anyway, before we get onto that, we'll we'll get back to you here. Let's hop down to the press conference we had with Tate Pullman, the winner of the fourth annual 24-hour Equinox Ultra Ski Challenge Mega Millions Challenge Ultra Ski. That's the name. I know you're stoked. I know you want to go out there and smash. This year's your big year. Tate Pullman here. Um, 273K. What was... More impressive, 272K in the heat last year or 273 in the frigid cold this year? I think this year overall went better uh, for several reasons. Because, I mean, for one, I didn't get frostbite. That was the main goal. So I was like really, really trying to take my time, not just rush through, you know, coming in the lodge and stuff, like actually making sure I change boots and socks and. Um, you know, if I'm cold, just stop, you know, yeah. like that was priority number one over mileage. Um, I think like goal in the back of my head was try to hit 300 K, but, right. um, it was just, it was cold and snow felt like sandpaper kind of in the night. And I was like, all right, I'll just do what I can and see where things end up. And, um, actually for a while and I, I didn't, I didn't even think like, you know, I'd be able to hit the mileage that I did last year yeah but then things started to speed up and just stayed with it and got there how was the pay how, how what was your like pacing fueling plan for today uh gosh let's see you um, know were you, were you thinking in chunks of like lap to lap or like get to 100k first see what happens more, uh, more lap to lap yeah yeah for sure just yeah hydrate calories had a whole crock pot of hot foods yeah because uh, I knew it was gonna be that was one thing too once you get frostbite then you're more susceptible to the cold that was your so, toe last year right yeah, that was kind toe. of yeah yeah so um definitely yeah getting the hot foods changing clothes but, like but you weren't like you're looking at your watch for each lap with the 300k in mind necessarily that where you just kind of no. hey just just find what feels you going by honestly feel more. yeah it was just a race between john and me for the first yeah. like 
I've gosh, have most of the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, when did he um, step away? Was it about 150K, 200K? Because I know that it was when he went to bed at, I don't know, whenever he did, 5 a.m. or something. I mean, yeah. How, how long were you guys skiing together? Because I was able to, like, because we kind of had this sort of deal where we were just working together for most of the race. You know, we yeah. wait for each other and then start the laps together and just go. Sometimes he'd get ahead or I'd get ahead and we just wait for each other. Um, but then, yeah, there's one point where he's just like, all right, you go. And then I went and then I got ahead. But then like during the night I was struggling and he ended up catching up. Oh, wow. Um, and so we were tied at, I think it was at 17 laps in. Wow. We were both 17. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, he was like, um, you know, it was tight, but I was pretty much dead. <laughs> then. Yeah. And then I just kind of kept going. Um, was but, that, I mean, take me through the roller coaster of emotions that you feel at the various checkpoints. You know, as you get to 100K, elated maybe, 200K, like you said, sandpaper. Like, walk me through the different roller coaster motions you feel going like 24 hours straight without sleeping. You haven't slept, right? Yeah, no, I didn't yeah. sleep at all. Um, well, actually, minus that very last, well, what was it, lap 20, I think. I just like closed my eyes. I was on the trail over there, just down on the snow. No. Wow. But yeah, that's why my last two laps were good, I think. Like, Five-minute catnap? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. But no, the roller coaster, because I feel like the beginning was was really just a race between two people, and I think that's yeah. really exciting. Like, I just kind of forgot about everything else. It's like, all right, I know he's a better skier than me, but like, you know, he's Maybe got I power, because he's a sprinter too. So right. it's like, all right, it's kind of power versus endurance, and just see like what happens in the end. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. What was, what's your training been like coming into this? <laughs> Lots of, uh, kind of erotic tennis practice. Other yes. than that, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, t- t- I don't recommend because I haven't skied in two weeks. No, that's um, just a taper. So, yeah. That's all that is. <laughs> I don't recommend that because I'm going to be really sore. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just reconnecting with different passions, I guess, because uh, running's my main sport. Um, but tennis was actually my first sport. Oh, okay. And I've just been reconnecting with it in the, over the past few months, um, which has been really fun. Um, and, you know, getting my running back, too. But it's, it's I tend to, like, rush things, I guess, when once I start to see, like, all right, like, the running's you know, feeling good, and then I push it too hard. So sure. it's kind of nice to have other things going on in my life. Well, so well, they can just kind of be balanced. What, what, what would you say, like, the volume's been, though, you know, in this For winter? skiing? Uh, just everything. You know, oh. like, how, what's, what's your what's your running mileage and ski, skiing volume per week about? Yeah, um, skiing's probably, like, twice a week, maybe. Um, you know, maybe like three hour days, something like that. Okay. Um, cause I'll just drive up from Buena Vista to like, yeah, which is like a 35 minute drive Yeah. and then just kind of make the most of it. Right. Um, I was in the curling league here too in Leadville. So that was a good excuse to like come up and <laughs> ski for all many talents. I know. Curling, I just try to do everything. Tennis. <laughs> so a couple, and but, then, yeah, yeah and then tennis has been every single day. And then the running has been like three, four times a week, just short, but building in mileage. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a good mix of stuff. And I think that that helps a race like this for many reasons. Like yeah. Mentally and physically, I think, um, just they're all different kinds of grinds you know and you just understand each of them yeah um, oh sorry yeah. keep going keep going yeah well i was just gonna like this is really just i mean it is physical but it is hugely mental yeah. too because no, i uh, can't imagine like when i went to bed take a shower at nine and i'm like it's nice and warm i was like i told my wife go 
I mean, I've done some like hard things and even like year long training can be a hard and a grind, but like, I don't know if you could get me to do what you just did because I don't know if I've actually ever been awake for 24 hours <laughs> at all. Like what's the hardest part for you to, for this race? We've, what, what do you think is the biggest barrier that you have to climb over? Is it physical or as far as mental, what's kind of that, What's the biggest challenge of an event like this? Or just staying awake? I mean, I think staying engaged, honestly. Yeah. Because I mean, I look at like at the last lap I did in I think 53 minutes, which was fairly fast. Like I think my fastest one was 42 okay. for the day. So for the last lap to be yeah pretty close to that. Yeah, that's cool. But it's like it's because I felt like the you know I had to make it because um, mm -hmm. yeah I don't know if you knew that I had 30 minutes to make the cutoff right before right before you could you know, do the, the last lap basically. Right. And if you didn't make it in, then, then you wouldn't be able to do one more lap and then I wouldn't have got the record. So Right, right. Yeah. So that was kind of like a rush, but I felt engaged right there. I was like, oh, I have something to ski for. You know, cause I think you lose sight of that in a race this long sometimes because you're just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I think you always have to just remind yourself of some reason, whatever it is. Um, and, and last year I, I felt like I had that pretty good too. Cause I just yeah. wanted to see how far I could go. So like every lap. Yeah. That, that was the that curiosity. Was a huge motivation. Yeah. Like, there was not one lap where you could have told me like, would you rather be somewhere else? No, I want to see how far I can go. So I need to do one more lap. Yeah. And, and you had quite the experience last year. It was a, a super hard day in terms of the heat. It was slow in the middle of the day. And then for you being kind of inexperienced, you had the foot thing. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked you even just like made the venture back last minute. Um, so what was the motivation coming in this year? Was it like 300K as a barrier? I want to see if I can do that or something yeah. else? Yeah. And I mean, it's just the feeling of defending, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just because you've done it and you only get one chance to defend. So yeah, I think that that was a, you know, a good call, even though maybe the training wasn't fully there, but I felt mentally ready to go. So, okay. Yeah. What's recovery look like for you here now? What will you do in the next uh, few days? Um, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, because last time I was like lying in a hospital bed for yeah. 24 hours. So it was actually good recovery. Yeah, but. you seem in pretty good uh, spirits right now, I'd say. You, you seem like somebody you're going to get like a six-hour nap and then you'll be ready to roll. Uh, do you have a race coming up that you are targeting this fall or this summer or fall then for running, I would assume, maybe? Or what's, what's kind of the big target for you? Nothing's set, but I think something big in the summer would be nice just to jump back into the scene because um, there's a few things that I'll be covering too because I work as a, a sports writer for sure um, for trailrunner.com but I think I'd like to actually jump into some things too myself what distance uh, yeah because I know trails all over the place yeah where do you see yourself well I sort of left off at 50k like a few years ago when I was a sponsored runner and stuff that was kind of my forte yeah um but it would be fun to try to go longer uh, okay because that was actually a reason for doing this race last year because I just wanted to see what it's like to like your do body. an endurance activity for yeah. 24 hours right um and now I know that I I like it so I think running for 100 miles or something like that would be doable so is this the soft way of you saying if the Leadville 100 people hear you <laughs> I, I'd be game for that, this that year's race that could be a good first one yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think you do well. I'm sure, like, the body holding up in training, is that kind of your biggest thing that you probably see as that? Uh, almost, if you can get through that, watch out. Yeah, because I've had a lot of, you know, injuries in, yeah. in the running, so that's kind of something that steers me away from the long stuff. But I don't think that, you know, long necessarily means you're going to get injured more. I think you could get injured in short, too. It's just kind yeah. of figuring out your own body and 
knowing how to train to maximize like your performance and that looks different for different people like sure that might be high volume or that might be speed work or you know it's just balancing everything what, what um, do you do as a as a job other than writing too like what's tate who's tate pullman yeah. who is he well that's mostly <laughs> what i do yeah it's great um, okay. i've been wanting to expand on oh, here, that, i guess too My oh, no you're good um i've also worked part-time the last three years at jumping good goat dairy it's okay. a goat cheese farm yes in buena vista so that's been fun to work at farmers markets and learn how to make cheese um so just kind of like a renaissance man of yeah anything. just getting and living in bv <laughs> which is nice i here we are standing at ten thousand feet in leadville and you and i have a midwest connection i think right like talk about bismarck and moorhead how are you connected to those two places yes well <laughs> born in bismarck north dakota yeah um, yeah all the family on my mom's side is still out there okay um are you bismarck century or Biz, no bismarck high bismarck high yeah Ooh. Oh, man. They were dominant. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so my sister-in-law went to Century, so that's, I guess, my only connection. I'm not gotcha. really... I don't have I think any. I do have a cousin or two that might have went to Century, but okay. that was kind of like my... There was a football dynasty started basically by my grandpa. Um, he was like... Uh, I don't know if you knew Bob Feeney, uh, football coach. Yeah, well, so that is that yeah. that's the Trey Feeney connection, then, yes, right? Yes, yeah, so Trey's my cousin. Wow, that's yeah. so wild. And then his dad, Kevin, was also a college football player. And then Steve, my other uncle on that side, was also a college player. So it's like, it's just a How did you not end up football, football dynasty. You have the Tom Brady looks. I feel like you could, you have the look, the supermodel look of like, I could be a cover sports illustrator, football. but I guess you're a little too short, huh? Is that, yeah, that's, that's probably it. it for the quarterback <laughs> position. Maybe I could have been some kind of like running back or something. Are you, were you on like Jake Langang's team then? Um, no, but I've ran with him before. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've been um, older than him? Just well, before? Because I went to high school at Utah. So. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, you moved. But it's just. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The times I visited, though, I ran with him and yeah. his Mark High team. So. Oh, my God. Fun. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so Trey. Another... Wait, Kevin Feeney is the. Um, Mori coach. No, is Trey Feeney the Mori coach now? Who's the. Who's the Kevin uh, is the coach. Kevin is. Okay. Yeah. Trey's his son who plays um, at. UND? Yeah, no? UND. Okay. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Well, so, maybe we'll go run into each other, you know, running across by the Red River or something. I don't we know. might. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Well, congrats. I've kept you here long enough. No, this you, you got to go and uh, get warm, dry, fed. <laughs> I mean, do you have, everyone wants to know after something like this, like what's the special indulgence? Like, are you going to go and order a dozen donuts or goat cheese here? Like, where? how will you spoil yourself a little bit or treat yourself? Yeah, well, it's funny because I've just been stuffing myself for 24 hours. Yeah, that's true. Right. If you do this right, you're not, like, dying, I yeah. suppose. Uh, that's interesting. But I think it'll hit me at some point this afternoon, and then I'll definitely want something. Yeah, you'll get the crash. Hey, maybe you... savory, honestly. Yeah, okay, so speaking of that, in, on Instagram you posted, I think. I think it's interesting, you know, take us through all that and breaks his mark by one kilometer. What a story, Mock. What a story, Mock. Um... Because and, and I was I actually witnessed this moment seeing him come through um, the halfway lap. So athletes on the course they kind of, um, which was a it's a good setup of the course too to have the 13k lap. You come through it. I don't know six or seven k's. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's a little more. But it's about halfway somewhere in there. Um, and athletes come right up to the lodge again, and his crew was kind of like, "Hey, if you can get here." In the next, it was probably 30 minutes he had. He had uh, maybe a little, it was 28 minutes, something like that, 28 minutes. He he had to get to the end of this lap before 10 a.m. 
so that he could start that last lap. And then that last lap, you have to finish in an hour and a half. So so really, Tate actually skied, just in case you didn't do that math for yourself, he skied over 24 hours because he didn't finish until after 10 um, which is tough. It's part of it's in it's in the rules, the official rules. Uh, but he didn't, you know, I think if I put myself in his shoes where you're you're skiing at now, he would have been, you know, at 255 K or so. He's going to finish this lap right up next to 10 a.m., you know, 950 about. And to have people go, hey, if you can finish this you know, in the next 30 minutes, then you can start another lap. And then when you finish that, you'll have broken your mark last year by 1k. And Tate's just like, all right, let's do it. I mean, I would have been like, who cares? I'm ahead by 50k. I'm just going to win, right? Defend the crown. I thought that was actually, it was just incredible. Like that's the true competitive spirit. Mad, mad props to Tate there. I mean, I, I'm put myself in those, in that same position. First of all, I couldn't have even gotten there. There's no way I could ski for 24 hours, I don't think, unless unless either my life's on the line, you know, and I have to get to a certain mark, or maybe if there's like, you know, it's a $10,000 prize, if you can get over 350 kilometers, something like that, maybe I, maybe I can make myself do it. Um, but, I, so I wouldn't have even been in that position, but certainly, if I've successfully defended the crown, I don't think I'd make myself go do another lap. <laughs> now, it had warmed up a little bit, but I just thought that was insane. And also, just in general, this whole event, you know, you look at how cool it is from, you know, Dan going, I had this great experience in West Yellowstone. I think we need to have something like this. So I'll take it upon myself to do it and and promoting it, taking care of the course in a, a really wonderful way to make the experience amazing for athletes and grooming throughout the night a couple of times. Um, to keep the conditions amazing. Uh, and he he's just a person too. They, he gets so excited about this. You've got um, just that, that warmth encouragement from him and Jacob too on the inside, every lap coming around, like there's an enthusiasm there that I think deserves to be appreciated for sure. And also just this idea, like, I think in our country, you know, we're not Norway. We don't have this universal love of cross country skiing and universal passion and people doing things like this event help to foster and cultivate a little bit more passion for the sport, I think. And and it's fun to see the types of individuals who come out for an event like this because it's not the same necessarily uh, that, well, it is some of the same people you'd see at a Berkey, you know, that they might've done that as well, but there, these individuals are wired differently too. And it's not all people like that. There are, there are some people who go, Hey, you know, I'm a really good ultra runner or something like that. And I think I could do this. And they're not like exceptional skiers, but they know how to fight for 24 hours, <laughs> you know, and they know how to fuel, then they know the mental game and they just grit and bear it. And, and in fact, you kind of heard Tate there talking about, you know, how that's in some regards, how he got into this event is he wants to get into ultra running. And so, Hey, let's do this on skis and see how it works. Um, but but he would he it, it'd be scary actually if Tate gets to be like a really technically proficient skate skier he could be very good at it I mean he's already pretty good in a lot of local races and he's just got a huge engine huge capacity great joy for the sport but yeah all that aside it's fun to see all the different types of individuals that show up to this and and really I guess I would have to say at the heart of an event like this is the heart of sport in its purest form you know it's some it's it's people it's person versus self how far 
can I ski? And and the goal, it's it, the level of competition is is a different type of seriousness. You've got some people who know they're in contention for those first lap win, 100k prize, the overall win. There there is there is definitely a competitive, just like the people who want to win the Berkey. There's some of that right there for those people. But for other people, you know, it's this curiosity. Like, I wonder how far I could go, and. I'm going to ski until I don't even want to ski anymore. You know, something that's almost anathema for people who would even think about doing this in the first place. They love skiing so much, they'd want to do it, but they want to see, is it possible for me to get sick of skiing? Oh, I guess it is. Um, and so there, there's that. But, you know, at the core of it, too, is once they've done it a year, they kind of are like, I want to see if I could better that. And I just think that's so interesting. And we really don't have enough of those types of competitions in cross-country skiing, which is sad because this is one of those elements that in other sports that are more, you know, non, we'll say friction dependent, you know, and times mean something, you can go out and test yourself in. But in skiing, you can't. You can't, you can go test yourself individually in a marathon run, in a one mile run, in an uphill hike, a race, all those times you can go test yourself. You don't even have to pay anything. We could go find out tomorrow how fast. I could run up this mountain or how fast I could run, um, an 800 meters or 5k, but in skiing, these things, these kind of things don't really exist. And sure, even in a 24 hour event, the speed of the snow, the speed of the skis, the type of course protection from the wind, the weather, all those things play a huge role. Um, but so there's a little bit of a roll of the dice, even if you are going to plan to try to break a world record or go over 400 K or something like that. But you know, there it's still, it's kind of one of the few things in skiing that exists by itself as an individual challenge. And I think it's cool that we've got that right in our backyard. So hopefully you enjoyed this show, us talking about the Equinox event and plan on getting out here next year. So now, you know, if you're a listener to the Cedar Skier podcast, you can come out, maybe we'll ski a little bit with you. I'm hoping I can like set aside dedicated time off and go no i'm gonna try and do it this year i i'm a little bit one of those people who does check the weather in advance of this event like is this going to be tolerable um i think i may have blown a huge opportunity with this event you know just considering how nice it was during the day daylight hours uh but you know sometimes sometimes there's something to be said too about a freeze thaw and at night how fast it gets if you're willing to ski uh, during those hours, you can make it happen too. So we'll see. But if you are inspired, and hopefully you are, hopefully you can make some plans to join us next March for this event. Uh, we'll be trying to put up a show here, maybe tomorrow, maybe later tonight. I'm not really sure. Actually, it's my day off. And so my wife and I are hoping to possibly go out to eat together for the first time in a long time. We are using a gift card, so you know, yep, we're poor, which is a good moment to say, if you'd like to donate to the Cedar Skier podcast, you can become a monthly supporter and click on whatever button there is on Spotify to do so, and then we'll see your name pop up, and it'll be great. Um, We have a couple of monthly supporters. We've got some ad revenue coming in. Sorry if you hate the ads, Uh, but anyway... We appreciate anything. We we try to use that money towards ski-related things, but also sometimes you got to go and have some fun with your family. So we're hoping to go down to Denver. We're maybe going to use an Olive Garden Olive Garden gift card. Go check out um, an antique museum. Maybe hop in some of the thrift stores uh, as well. We can go check out Frisco. Get a ski in there. 
beforehand, and it's just gonna, we're going to try and make a day of it. We'll probably be super exhausted. So if tomorrow morning I don't end up getting that World Cup show together, that's why. Now you know. Just live in life. But we're so happy you enjoy the podcast. We love getting your emails. Feel free to reach out, comment, question, compliment, you know, the four C's, concerns. There's the other one. You can shoot us those emails as well and let us know if you want us to read it on the air. We'll do that. This has been the Cedar Skier Podcast. Again, keep on striving. Keep on skiing.